Founderspace Startup Supercharge. I'm Captain Hawk, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Horses. Welcome to the Founder Space Podcast, and today we have a fantastic guest when it comes to strategy, Anthony Taylor. He is the CEO of SME Strategy. He is also a, a well-known podcast host and an author, and Anthony is going to be here today talking with us about the things you need to know when you are doing your team building, your strategic planning, the tools you use, everything about running your company. Anthony, welcome to the show. What's up, Steve? Super happy to be here and just appreciate it. I'm stoked. You're stoked. I am stoked. So let's dive into the nitty gritty. I like to get a lot of content out there for our listeners. Let's talk about the core value you offer CEOs. So you work with a lot of CEOs. They they're like they tend to run companies that are fifty million, a hundred million dollars. That's your sweet spot. You are really working with them on their strategy as a coach. You know, giving them direction, looking out for pitfalls. Uh, what is some of the advice you give them that has really worked in the past that you see that really lights up their eyes? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things when I speak to these people initially is this idea of the multiple destination trap. They've grown, they've got into this like next space of their business and their leadership team might be moving in different directions. They have so many opportunities. They've outbuilt some of their systems. They are soon to outbuild some of their systems. And what we provide as a company and what I provide as an advisor and partner is just like triaging through that stuff, sifting through the noise and really helping them get to that like one destination, have everybody clear about where they're going, prioritize what they need to do to get there and help like compartmentalize all of the thoughts and and stuff in their brain. And so yeah, I've been doing that for 11 years now, uh, work with small businesses, Fortune 100, um, and across Canada, US and around the world. So we're really got a big impact. So great. So what are some of the big uh, problems you've seen? Like a lot of these companies, you know, they're growing. What, what barriers are keeping them from getting to the next level? And how do you step in and really help them over those? A, a couple of key ones. So one is uh, prioritization. They've got too many things on their plate as an organization and not enough time, money, energy. So what we help them do through our process is focus on a couple of those, not just so the leadership team can be clear, but when you've got 100, 200, 300, 400 people in your organization, that they need to know what all of those things are. Um, the other is as the leadership team grows and as the management uh, expands, you know, having the capacity to implement strategy. So having enough communication structure, goal setting, culture, you know, those are the two big things. And then third is like accountability. People get so busy in the day to day that they often don't have time or don't make time to work on the business. So those three things are, are big growing pains that people experience and they have it at different stages of their journey. So let's say I have a. 10 projects going, 10 is too many, right? We, we, we're, we're, we've lost our focus, but we're doing a lot of stuff. But I have a hard time. How do I figure out which one of these I should be focused on and which it's really hard to kill stuff? Like, you know, <laughs> all, all of these 10 may have potential. How do you help them figure that out? Yeah. So we say it's not that you shouldn't do them because they're, if they're there, there many of them are opportunities. 
uh, how I have people think about it is if you've got 10 things you're working on, you've got 10% of your total time, money, energy, which means you're spreading your resources like peanut butter and you're not making as much progress as you can, plus their switching cost. So you decrease your total opportunity. So we say focus on three, get them done, move it forward. Uh, two ways to look at that. One is get clear on where you want to be. So we look at long-term vision when we do that and say, hey, what are, are these things going to help you get there or not? The other is uh, focusing on it through the lens of risk. If this is where I am and this is where I want to get to, what are the things in the middle that are going to get in the way and use the risks or the gap to inform how I prioritize focused on the most important things first. So you can get kind of greater leverage as you move on. So yes, new market growth might be super important, but you can't do that if you don't focus on your manufacturing capacity or yes, you want to enter, uh, I don't know, you want to enter the digital space, but you need to focus on your team communication or vice versa. So it depends on where you're at and every company has different challenges. Yeah. So can you give us a few examples of CEOs you've worked with, and you don't have to mention their names if you don't want, but the challenges they've had, the mistakes they've made and, and what you've done to actually course correct them? I think CEOs just move fast. So if you're listening to this and you are a CEO, you probably have the experience of needing to be two or three steps ahead of your people. And you have this big picture vision and you're thinking and like you're thinking long term. In your brain, it's very clear. But when you're communicating it, people don't see the stuff that you've calculate calculated in your head. And you might think they are moving slowly, but they just need more of that detail. They don't know all of the work that you had in your head. So there's a disconnect between your leadership team and you. So part of the work that we do with CEOs is recognize that gap, that speed gap, and have them kind of come back and work with the leadership team on that. And that's like the number one thing. If you're listening to this as a management team member, you might have a CEO who's got eyes bigger than their stomach and who's taking on all of the stuff. And then your job is to say, hey, I need to understand more specifically what you mean. So, hey, we're going to grow. Does that mean we're going to grow to 100 million or 300 million? We need to make it explicit. And so a lot of the work we do is working with CEOs, working with the leadership team to bridge that communication, bridge those assumptions so that they can just work better together. Uh, the more practical way that I make this joke is I say my version of the kitchen being clean is different than my wife's. And if we have different expectations, we're going to have frustration. So oh, a lot, yeah. So a lot of what we do is just make things explicit. So we reduce frustration. Yeah. And it really helps to have outside people pointing that out because a lot of times you're in the thick of it. You just can't see it. Exactly. So um, can you tell us a story about a, you know, a CEO that totally messed up? Like that, they, they just, they had a great company, but they just didn't do things right. Um, we were working with an organization for a long time and the CEO, let's be delicate, of course, the CEO always had to be right. And so what's interesting about the perspectives is your job as a CEO is to support your executive team in moving the plan forward. You're not supposed to be doing the work. Where it broke down was that they were not listening. They were leading their vision, but nobody was following them and they weren't doing the things to build the trust, to build the rapport. Ultimately, and it happens all the time. If you see high turnover in an organization, in this current organization, we saw a lot of high turnover. Uh, it was because the CEO was not listening to his people 
their ambitious vision was not um, something that they wanted to get be a part of, mainly because they didn't know the details. And it really stalled the organization out through a challenging time. Now, as I say that story, I'm thinking of a company and uh, an organization because it wasn't a company at the time. Uh, but as I play it out, I can, the same story applies to three or four different CEO didn't do this well. So it's, 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 it's a story a that's been mistake. told before. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, you can, uh, a lot of CEOs have egos. A lot of CEOs are also insecure, right? Mm. So like you mentioned, they have to be right. It's, you know, it, it's not what I think CEOs need to understand. It's not whether they're right. It's whether they come to the right answer. Like mm. they can try and people see through that, you know, when you always have to be right, nobody wants to argue with you because you are the CEO. You're like, you have control over them, right? You're their boss. And if you're always going to make it end up like you're right and they're wrong, that creates a really bad dynamic. Can I expand on that? Because I yeah. think that's an excellent point. It's when your leadership team stops challenging you because you've beat them down, that's where you just have yes people. And that's not what you pay them for. They're paid too well not to challenge you, but where it gets, where the ego, as you had mentioned, takes over is where it doesn't matter what they say. And then they become withdrawn. They become apathetic and they're not really contributing like they should. And that is like the first signal. So you have to allow them to challenge, but it sucks as a CEO, speaking as a CEO myself, because it kind of, you're always like, Ooh, I'm doing this. So it makes you think that you're wrong as a person, but it's not. And the thing we coach people on is just look at the process. They're not saying you are bad as the CEO. They're saying this process, this system, this structure doesn't work for our company. And when you can take your ego out of it and not, and also be vulnerable, it helps really. Yeah. A lot of us internalize those things. Every time they criticize, uh, an action that we've told the company to take because we're the CEO and ultimately we're responsible. We think they're criticizing us, but mm -hmm. it's not. They're actually, and if you stop them from criticizing and pointing out the flaws in what you're doing, then you shut them down, right? You yeah. literally shut down for room for any improvement. You demoralize them. Uh, they're, they're not, they're like, well, if he's just going to beat me up every time I point out a flaw, I'm just not going to say it. And the company's going to suffer, but it, have, have you seen this being different? Because I know you see a lot of different companies. Do you see it being different in startups versus large companies, no, that dynamic? No. It's okay. human nature, right? Mm. So people do this at an early stage in startups and end up killing the startup. They Sometimes, you know, they, and people change too. Sometimes uh, they get bigger egos as it goes along. They think they're always right. And we see, you know, a lot of problems with that. We see Elon Musk taking over Twitter, like he tends to have a big ego. So I don't think he's listening to his employees. <laughs> he's telling them what to do and not listening to what they've been in Twitter a long time. They may have learned something, but if they speak up, you know, they're getting pushed aside. So I have a hot take on that. I don't know if yeah, you want that yeah, on the show. Fire away. <laughs> I think that, so we've talked so far about the importance of aligned leadership and getting people bought in. I, yes. I do think that there is a time for not that. Ah. And it's in times of crises, as in if you were in war and you were like getting shot at, literally shot at, I wouldn't want my commander to be going by a consensus approach. If there's a fire in a building, I wouldn't want to say, hey, so what do you think? Do you think we should take this ladder or would you feel more comfortable like walking in the stairs? So in the case of Twitter, I think that there is a $44 billion case for autocratic leadership. I think it's only used in short intervals for a little bit of time. Uh, but I don't think that Elon is wrong for it. But I think that just there's not only 
is the world a fishbowl. He is literally running the platform that allows fishbowlness. So he's under a lot of fire. It's very public. But I I, I don't think he's doing the wrong thing. But who knows? We'll see what happens in a couple yeah, well, of years. The, the proof will, time will tell. Um, but you're right. This is why militaries, they don't, they don't, you know, when, when an order is given, people follow the orders, because if you're in a crisis, if you're under fire, you have to do that. In, in a company, it's usually not quite that extreme, but uh, you do need somebody to, ultimately the buck stops at the CEO. The CEO has to make decisions. And a lot of times they're tough decisions and they may even be, like you said, unpopular decisions hmm. uh, that they have to make to get the company to where it needs to be. At the same time, there's a balance between that and actually engaging your employees, setting a vision that they can buy into, right? Telling them, like you were talking about what's all that stuff in your head about where you need to go, that stuff needs to come out. And there's also... Uh, there's also this CEO, not everything, even when you're under pressure, even with, with great military leaders, they have plans. Like mm -hmm. they may change their plans in the middle of a battle because things aren't going the way they thought they would. And they have to make, you know, off the cuff decisions about what, what to do, but they have plans and you need planning. You can't just be haphazard, like reacting to, to this and that and the other thing. You need some sort of planning. And that often takes time. And sometimes, uh, even though you think time is so critical, uh, the time you spend planning pays off big dividends. That's what I've seen. So, yeah. so even if you're under fire, a lot of times it it's important to step back and say, look, we need to plan our next step. <laughs> like we can't just react to what's happening because we may be reacting in totally the wrong way. Um, you can't afford a misstep. And yeah, you can't, situations. you can't, you can't. And a lot of these things aren't obvious and they, and, and you, you really need to go deep to figure them out. Let's uh, talk about um, you uh, when you engage your employees. When you how how do you really motivate employees? How do you really get the best out of employees? Because you know a lot of employees, you know a lot of CEOs I know they're frustrated because they're, they feel like their employees aren't doing the right things. They aren't trying hard enough. They aren't doing enough. How can they solve those problems? So my another hot take on that is if your employees aren't doing the right things, it's your fault because you didn't tell them the right things to do. So basically any problem, either you hired them wrong, so it's your fault, or you haven't given them direction, another your fault, or you've given them un unclear direction, or you haven't given them the resources. So if your employees are underperforming, it's one way or the other your fault, which it, to me is extremely empowering because it allows you to do something about it instead of it being, oh, it's their problem. But as a leader, and as a CEO, your job is to help people get what they want. So it's important for you to have your version of success, to ask them what their version of success is and align the two. If you're not going to the same place, then there's no way you could do the right things. But most often people haven't planned out what success looks like or taken the time to understand it. Now, uh, I was watching uh, Welcome to Wrexham, the soccer, okay? And so one of these like star players, spoiler alert, you know, gets signed with a team and they said, well, he's going to be very expensive, but his money wasn't the motivator for him. For him, it was to be close to his family. And so for you as a CEO, if you don't know what motivates your people, if you don't know what is important to them, and you also don't know how what they value in terms of behaviors out of your coworkers, then how can you get the best out of them? So you need to put the structure in place. That's the strategy. But then you also need to make sure that you are supporting them one-on-one, -on -one, and that's the leadership. So that's why those two things go together, and you can't have one without the other. If you have a great plan but crappy culture, 
it's not going to move forward. So you need the plan and the environment. Yes. And the environment is really, like you said, about understanding your employees. It's not about putting in foosball tables and free lunches. It's about understanding what motivates them in their life. Why are they at this job? What do they want to achieve in their careers? Really, really important. Um, and a lot of CEOs don't spend enough time with that, right? Because they're, they're spending they're all busy. this time, right? They're spending time. They're only thinking about the company. They're not thinking about the people in the company, mm. which uh, in, so CEOs, how many reports do you think a CEO should have? Like you're the CEO of a company, you know, if you have like companies you work with, they might have hundred employees, they might have 200 employees more even, um, how many how involved should they be with and what should they, what's the best way to manage a company? Should they be spreading themselves out over more employees? Should they just be, have a cadre of a, of a few trusted employees? Okay. Every organization has their own org chart and every organization has the different system that works for them. What I have seen to be effective is a strong management team and where it, it centralizes some of the communication. So the CEO has their executive team that leads the business and they lead them. So maybe like seven to 10 people. And then if there's a COO, then creating like a little bit of a bridge there. The key part is that if you have to have all of these communication with people, it's impossible as a CEO to do it at scale. So you need to empower your leadership. You do need to put layers of management in place to support the communication and support filtering information. You don't want all of the information, but you do need the important stuff. So there is no one size fits all, but I do think a, a, a right sized management team for the size of the organization and managers, middle managers that are empowered to support those key decisions uh, is a structure to support the right amount of communication and employee support. So yeah, it's I've, kind of a vague answer. I found if you have like more than seven or 10 people, seven to 10 people reporting to you, really hard to, to know them right? Really hard to understand them, really hard to form the bonds and the deep communication that you need to actually uh, do a good job of managing them. So uh, I think what you're saying is absolutely right. That core management team is critical, right? So those seven plus people that you surround yourself with, they have to be amazing. Now, what happens, how do you know uh, if, if somebody's underperforming? Um, how do you know if, if they're underperforming because of you or they're simply not up to the job okay. because, and then what do you do in, in those cases? All right, we're, we're really getting into it. So I wanna go back to the, the previous thing is that certain layers of management expand. And going back to the Elon Musk example is that when you have 12, 15 people, it just becomes management or decisions by committee. And it's really hard to manage. So you need to continuously being, you know, I say creating layers to make them easier to manage. So as if we switch it to employee management, performance management, it's the importance of tracking, monitoring, and, and actually being clear of what performance is. As soon as we're done recording today, I'm doing a workshop on tracking, monitoring, reporting for a very large senior leadership team so that they can be clear about what it looks like. So like in your car, you've got a dashboard that tells you how fast you're going. It tells you how much gas you have. It tells you all of those things. And you have an idea of what good enough looks like. But if employees don't have good enough, whether that's in their roles, whether that's metrics, whether that's, you know, contribution, then there's no way for them to be successful. Or if you look at a sports example, you know, do you have a scoreboard? So how do you know if your team is underperforming? You need to make sure you have clear measures of what their success is. 
If they don't have those measures, then they're never going to be successful. If they do have their measures and they're not meeting them, then you have to look at the quality and the quantity of their work. And then you have to kind of put more focus energy in terms of management. And then you have to decide, you know, what is a sufficient time to train them? Is it three months, six months, nine months, a year to get them up to speed? And then if given all of those things, they aren't there, then you say, hey, this is probably not going to work out. Now, that's a much bigger conversation with a lot more intricacies to it. But I think that are your people given the tools they need to succeed? And if you haven't given them those things, then it's on you. If you have, and not sufficient to what you think, but sufficient to what they think, then they'll know, hey, I'm not, I'm not performing. And then it makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, so very clear KPIs of what they're what they need to hit and in order to make the business go. You know, one thing that I recommend to CEOs is it's not really, it shouldn't be the CEO's job to come up with these KPIs. And, and this sounds kind of radical. You think the CEO should be coming up with them, but I think the best way to come up with them is to go to your employees and tell you, what do you need to do to actually get our company to where we know it needs to be? So the CEO sets the overall goal where the company needs to be. And then the employees break down that into KPIs that they have to achieve to get to that point. What do you, what, how do you advise companies? I would agree. Um, I mean, we look at it a little bit differently because we look at the entire structure. So we look like strategically KPIs. Um, but I think it has to be in conjunction because on one hand, you say, oh, I think I should do this. And it's like, well, if you think you should do this, but as an organization, we need up here, then there's a gap between what yes. we need and what you think is there. Um, the other problem I see is uh, people often think operationally, they want to do stuff, do stuff, do stuff, but they forget about the why. So what are the, the outcomes, key performance indicators, mm -hmm. or however you want to frame it, that this role looks like? If you're in sales, it's pretty easy. If you're in HR, it's a little bit harder. If you're in finance, it's a little bit harder. And I can't say that I'm an expert at those functional areas, mm -hmm. um, but I think finding the right representation of what success looks like in that role is important for them to be you know, contributing, not only operationally, do the job, and the tasks, but strategically, are you moving the overall business forward? Yes, really important. Now, I want to segue into another topic. You use a lot of tools, right, mm -hmm. with these uh, CEOs to, to make their organizations function better, to make them function better. Can you tell us about some of the your favorite tools and, and recommend them? Uh, okay. What is really important and interesting right now, we do, we're doing a lot of scenario planning right now. So, mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, if you go to, if you just Google it, I probably have a video on it. So mm -hmm. uh, scenario planning is a cool tool to plan for uncertainty. It's where you make alternate versions of the future. Uh, change management is a big one because as organizations, big and small, institute new things, uh, that comes up a lot. Uh, the value proposition canvas is a really cool one that I like um, as you're entering new markets or shifting consumer trends. Uh, that's a big one. And I'd say those are my top three like cool tools other than or in addition to, you know, the st strategic planning process in general. Okay, great. So Anthony, do you have any other words of wisdom for our entrepreneurs out there that can really help them get to the next level? Some parting words. I think if you don't know what the next level is, how the heck are you ever going to get there? Great one. <laughs> yeah. you That is the job of the CEO, right? To know what the next level is and, and the most important one. So Anthony, can you tell our audience how they can get a hold of you, uh, where your podcast is? You have a wonderful podcast and everything else. Cool. Uh, Anthony C. Taylor uh, on the internet. 
Um, so you can look at me there. Our podcast is the Strategy and Leadership Podcast. Um, we got 50,000 plays a month. So we got lots of cool things, including Steve. Captain oh, Hoff yes. was a guest recently. So check out that episode. That was a good time. Uh, and then uh, SME Strategy Online. And then uh, if you're interested in learning more about how to do strategic planning, go courses.smestrategy.net. Um, and we've got a course that breaks you through the whole process. And uh, well, it's really good. I made it myself, but I we get a lot of great reviews from it. So. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.